Welcome to the Grace Long Beach Podcast, a series of sermons from our weekly Sunday gathering. For more information on our church community, values, and service times, please visit www.gracelb.org. Thanks for listening. Today's reading is John 9, 1 through 17. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus' disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind? this man or his parents? Jesus answered, neither he nor his parents. This happened so that God's mighty works might be displayed in him. While it's daytime, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After he said this, he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and smeared the mud on the man's eyes. Jesus said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went away and washed. When he returned, he could see. The man's neighbors and those who used to see him when he was a beggar said, Isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is. Others said, No, it's someone who looks like him. But the man said, yes, it's me. So they asked him, how are you now able to see? He answered, the man they called Jesus made mud, smeared it on my eyes, and said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. They asked, where is this man? He replied, I don't know. Then they led the man who had been born blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus made the mud and smeared it on the man's eyes on the Sabbath day. So Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. The man told them, he put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Some Pharisees said, this isn't from God because he breaks the Sabbath law. Others said, how can a sinner do miraculous signs like these? So they were divided. Some of the Pharisees questioned the man who had been born blind again. What do you say about him since he healed your eyes? He replied, he's a prophet. This is the word of the Lord. Kids, you're dismissed to King's Quest as the rest of us are seated. Thank you, Dan, for that wonderful reading. I wish we could have read that whole chapter, and now I wonder, well, of course, we could have read the whole chapter. It's wonderful. So is the entire Gospel of John. I would guess, and I I could be wrong about this, but I would guess that over half of the people in this room have had a serious struggle with faith at some point, a crisis of faith, perhaps. You might be going through one now. You question whether God even exists, let alone whether Jesus was really raised from the dead. You wonder, is Christian faith at the end of the day just make-believe? What is Christian faith really? How do you know that you have it? How do you know that you're losing it? How do you know that you're growing in faith? 
This story that we heard this morning about Jesus and the man born blind gives us vision for what Christian faith is and is like. This story gives us a new language for thinking about faith. It teaches us that Christian faith is about seeing, about learning to see in the light of Christ, learning to see beyond appearances to how things really are, learning to see beyond the present to the future glory that we will share with Jesus and Jesus will share with us. In this single story in the Gospel of John, we learn that Jesus has given us everything we need for faith in him. And we discover that there are three kinds of sight that Jesus gives to us. Uh, Open your Bible, if you would, to John 9. If you didn't bring one with you, there's a Bible underneath your seat that looks like this. John 9 is page 895 in that Bible. 895. The first kind of sight that Jesus gives us for faith is eyesight. Eyesight is the way you make sense of and navigate the world. It's so plain to you that the world is a world of color and image and form that you don't even think about it. You don't think that everything in your life is visual because you are a sighted person. I want to show that this is true. Uh, Close your eyes, if you would, just for a moment, and think about somebody that you love. Think about someone you love. You see their face, don't you? You know that person is more than a face. They're a voice and a body. But when you think of them, you think of a face. In fact, try thinking of that person without thinking of their face. You can't do it, can you? Everything about the way you make sense of the world is visual. It involves seeing. When Jesus gives eyesight to the man born blind, he forever changes how that man will make sense of the world and navigate through life. That's the first kind of sight that Jesus gives us. Jesus gives eyesight to the man born blind. And this is a story that the first seven verses of John 9 tells. Um, If you look at the very first verse, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus sees the man born blind. You look ahead at verse 6. He spits on the ground. He makes mud. He smears it on the man's eyes. Uh, That is a very peculiar way to heal a blind person. Uh, It reminds you, though, of um, Genesis 2. God takes the dust of the earth and with it forms man. This is an act of new creation. Jesus spits in the ground and takes the dust and makes new eyes for this man. And Jesus tells him, go wash in the pool of Siloam. The man listens to Jesus, he washes, and he comes back seeing. The man born blind is, in a way, 
a paradigm for what it means for any person to come to faith in Jesus. Your faith begins with God's initiative, not your own. Jesus first saw the man born blind, just as Jesus saw you before you saw him. In the Gospel of John, you see over and over and over that it's Jesus who first reveals himself to people. All this means that Christian faith is not a journey upward to God. It's first the journey that God has made to us. Jesus is the very presence of God among us. He sees us, and he sees us with human eyes, and he reveals God to to us. It's the faithfulness of Jesus that allows us to respond to him in faith. And that initial faith, John tells us, is like seeing for the very first time. It's like gaining a new sense. It's like being born into a new world. As Jesus says earlier in the gospel, one must be born again in order to see the kingdom of God. The man born blind is born again into a world of eyesight. Last week, I had the opportunity to listen to a theologian named John Hull talk about what it was like for him to gradually lose his sight and go blind as an adult. And this helped me understand what it's like to be born into a new way of seeing in the way that the gospel speaks of it. He spoke about blindness as being reborn into a different world, a world of touch and sound. He said, even in his memory, after years of being blind, color and image, the faces of people he loved, even his own face began to fade away. His most complete revelation that he had been born into a different world came when his wife asked him about their 18-month-old son. His wife asked him, What does Joshua mean to you? He knew what she was asking, and he was embarrassed, and he answered, Joshua is the bouncy bundle of boyhood I throw over my shoulder. He's the beautiful, warm face I touch when he's asleep. Yes, she said impatiently, but... What does he look like? Darling, you know he doesn't look like anything to me. Then she said, But I feel as if my friend and I share a Joshua that you don't share. And he said, But if we don't share the same Joshua, how can we share the same world? He called it a crisis in his marriage, not a crisis of love, but a crisis of worlds. He realized that he had to decide how he would live in that new world, how he would relate to his wife, whether he would be nostalgic for his sighted past or whether he would live in reality. And he came to say, I will live in reality. I will become a blind person and learn to live in a blind world. The process of discovering that world took years, and it was a very strange experience.
His hands were no longer tools, but the way he came to know the world, the way he came to see, was through his fingertips. He said, I learned with my hands to appreciate beauty, little beauty, like the circle of a coffee cup as I lay my hand upon it. He loved trees and discovered that in the winter, the trees whistled and hissed. In the spring, they became all fluffy. In the summer, they were like the rolling ocean waves as the wind swept over them. In the autumn, they became crackly. What is this strange new world that a person is born into when Jesus first gives them eyesight? It's a world where Jesus is, as it says in verse 5, as he says, the light of the world. As C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity like I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything. When Jesus gives you eyesight, you begin to make sense of everything in light of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a very strange new experience, like entering a world only of sound and touch. You begin to see in light of the love Jesus has shown to you and wants to show you. The second kind of sight that Jesus gives us is insight. If eyesight is like being born into a new world with new sense, insight is the difficult process of discovering that world, learning to see again in light of this new thing, learning to see who Jesus is even when he's nowhere to be seen. After the man born blind recovers his eyesight, he doesn't actually see Jesus with his eyes. Instead, he meets his neighbors, and they can't believe he's the same person who was formerly blind. Uh, Look at verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, "Is, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? And some said, it is he, and others said, no, he just looks like him. And he kept saying, yes, it's me. But when they ask where Jesus is, He says, I don't know. If you've ever been in a situation where you're telling the truth, but people don't believe you, and you know you have no way to prove it to them, you know how frustrating and humiliating it is. So his neighbors bring him to people called the Pharisees, who were well-respected, well-studied religious people. They ask him how he could be able to see, and he says in verse 15, Jesus put mud on my eyes, I washed, and now I see. Then the Pharisees become divided in how they saw Jesus, because he made mud and healed on a Sabbath day, and their scriptures prohibited work from being done on the Sabbath. Some of them said, this man is not from God, verse 16, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, but how could a sinner do such signs? They asked the man what he thinks of Jesus, he has the one he is the one with the most insight jesus is a prophet they still can't believe that 
the man who was born blind really regained his sight, so they try to verify his identity. They call his parents. They say, is this your son? Yes. Was he born blind? Yes. How did he recover his sight? Ask him. (laughs) His parents distance themselves from their own son because they're afraid that they will be excluded because of their son's connection to this controversial figure, Jesus. It turns out their fears weren't wrong. The religious leaders approached the man born blind a second time, and now they seem to be sure about who Jesus is. No more dispute. Verse 24. For the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. What are they asking him? Doesn't this statement show how much they lack insight into who Jesus is? They want the man whom Jesus had given sight to glorify God by saying that Jesus was a sinner? They wanted him to glorify God by rejecting the one God sent? The man born blind finally says in verse 32, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone has opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They respond in verse 34, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us. And they exclude him from their community. At the very end of the story, in verse 39, Jesus seems to interpret everything that's going on here. Uh, He says, For judgment I came into the world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may become blind. The man born blind is the one who did not have eyesight, but after meeting Jesus came to have both eyesight and insight. And those who see are those with eyesight, who saw with their eyes a man born blind healed, but who lacked insight into what it meant about Jesus and his relationship to God. There's a lot more to be said about this. Is the blind man a symbol for Israel? Is his blindness a symbol for Israel's idolatry? I'm not going to go into it, but if those questions interest you, look at Psalm 115 and Isaiah 42, 16 and 17. I want to make two observations about this part of the story, though, with insight. Um, it's easy to come, come to this section and, and look down on the Pharisees and the religious leaders because they're so blind. How can they not see the works of God that Jesus was doing? All they're focusing on is that this man is supposedly a sinner. But then you realize you're doing the same thing that they're doing by judging them as sinners. And Jesus' own disciples at the very beginning of the story in verse 2 ask, Rabbi, who sinned? Who sinned? This man or his parents so that he was born blind? Verse 1, Jesus saw the man. All his disciples were concerned about was his sin. 
Ever since the eyes of Adam and Eve were opened, human beings have presumed that it's our calling to judge and condemn our neighbors, to work out who's right and who's wrong, to be able to say why someone deserves what happens to them, whether good or bad. And this kind of judgment happens in 10,000 different ways, and I'd be surprised if things weren't coming into your mind right now. So let me just say this. Christians should be the least judgmental people in the world because our sins are forgiven and we're saved by grace. So we get to lay aside the burden of self-justification. God has done the work of justification in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Thank God it's not our calling to accuse and judge least of all, each other. Our calling is to see beyond appearances, to see with the judgment that God gives us, judgment of gospel and grace, judgment or insight to see where God's work is among us. Is that good? Does that make sense? The second observation about this whole controversy that this man born blind is embroiled in because of what Jesus has done for him, the second observation is this. Jesus is nowhere to be seen. But somehow Jesus, in his absence, is still the main character of the story. And even with the humiliation, embarrassment, rejection, insult, and exclusion the man endures because of what Jesus has done for him, he's come to see who Jesus is more clearly. He doesn't know where Jesus is in the present, but he does know that Jesus is from God. He doesn't know how Jesus gave him sight, but he knows that he speaks the word of God. If the gift of eyesight is a sign of the fullness of joy that we have in salvation, the gift of insight is a sign of how difficult it is to learn how to live in this strange new world. But even in that difficulty, even in years of what seem like Jesus' absence, Jesus gives insight into who he is for us just when we need it most. There was a theologian named Frances Young. She was delivering a lecture on the presence of God in the New Testament and in the Church Fathers. And after a while, she said, as scholars say, permit me to end with a personal testimony. And the room became silent. She said, these are her words, For some years, I'd been struggling to hang on to faith in God after my first son was born with profound disabilities. I still took my children to church each Sunday, and the disabled one continued in the nursery since there was no way he could learn anything in Sunday school. I just had a visit from the minister who tried gently to say that Now he was so big and could be noisy, people thought he shouldn't be there disturbing the babies and toddlers. My head knew this was reasonable. 
my heart felt the church was rejecting my son. So now I was pushing my son up to the local shops in his buggy and passing the Catholic church when an old priest hobbled up to us. His right leg was limp, his right arm was limp. The old priest stopped. He spoke to my son, and then he spoke to me. It was a simple act of unconditional acceptance. She had seen the face of Christ. She said, I met God in Rattlebarn Road. Without that meeting and other significant meetings over the years, I would not be standing here speaking as an ordained minister. As the Bible puts it, let those with ears to hear, hear. Or as John might say, let those with eyes to see, see. If you cannot see God, no matter how hard you look, then remember your significant meetings with God over the years, even those you might not have recognized as such at the time. And pray. Lord, I do not see you now. In my not seeing, give me insight into who you really are. Light of the world, enlighten my heart and show me the face of Christ. The third kind of eyesight Jesus gives, or rather the third kind of sight Jesus gives, is foresight. Foresight means that we have enough of a glimpse of what is to come to hold out hope for a good future, even if we can't imagine exactly what that future is yet. Foresight is like Abraham, who according to Jesus in John 8, was overjoyed that he would see my day. Or Isaiah, who again, according to the gospel, saw Jesus' glory. You see, you and I are still in the middle of the story. Still with the man born blind after he received his sight. Still with him in the difficulty of coming into insight. Not yet with him when he meets Jesus again and sees him with his eyes for the first time. Right now, we can only foresee that. We can only foresee Jesus and the glory to come. The last meeting of the man born blind and Jesus gives us a glimpse into a future where we will see Jesus with our eyes, the most lovely person we've ever beheld, the most beautiful vision that we had never realized we were waiting our whole lives for. At the end, Jesus will find us again, and it will be like meeting someone we have always known for the very first time. Look at verse 35. Jesus heard they had cast him out, And having found him, said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. 
He said, Lord, I believe, and worshipped him. At the end of the story, at the end of your story, you will see Jesus. You will see love himself. You will see love incarnate. You will see, in the words of T.S. Eliot, love is the unfamiliar name behind the hands that wove the intolerable shirt of flame which human power cannot remove. Or in the words of John elsewhere, one of my favorite sentences in the whole Bible, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. Jesus gives us everything we need for Christian faith in the world. Eyesight, insight, and foresight. Eyesight to be born into a strange new world that we're learning to make sense of in light of Jesus, the light of the world. Insight to see beyond the appearance of things to see not in terms of right and wrong, judgment and con condemnation, blame and what is deserved, but to see the works of God and Jesus, foresight to anticipate that when we finally see Jesus with our eyes, um, we will share glory with him. Christian faith is about learning to see. There's one thing that remains to be said. Christian faith is not finally up to us. Faith is a gift. It comes to us from Jesus. Faith is not something we come up with ourselves. Our faith is a response to Jesus' faithfulness to us. Faith is not something we own. We participate in Jesus' faithfulness to God. That's why when we pray, we say, Our Father, our meaning not just us together in this room, but meaning us with Jesus. We're included in his relationship of son to father. We participate in his faith. There's an apocryphal story about a student going to his professor, who's Karl Barth, who is one of the most important living theologians at the time. The student said to him, Professor, I'm afraid I'm losing my faith. Professor Bart looked at him and smiled and said, what makes you think it's yours to lose? I once told that story in a coffee shop to someone, and as she wiped the tears away from her eyes, she said, I didn't know theology could make you cry. Jesus holds us safe in his faithfulness, and that's why faith for all its challenges and for all the complexity it could bring into your life, is finally a gift to be received with joy. Because Jesus sees you with his own eyes. Jesus sees you as one of God's own children. 
and Jesus will see you through to glory. Thanks be to God.